hear the word shame, I think of darkness, I think of isolation, I think of being hidden, putting on a mask, growing up in church. Uh, you, my parents were both heavily involved in ministry. My pastor growing up was my godfather. So I knew the standard of what a Christian should look like. And so I lived it out as best as I could, but internally I, I knew I was struggling with a whole lot of things that didn't match that. In my heart, in my mind, the things that I would naturally think of did not always line up with the standard of how a Christian ought to live. And I carried secretly those, those struggles for years. So for years I just walked around as if I was good, but I would go home and know how much of a mess I was. Replaying the, the poor choices I made constantly, but then having to go to church every Sunday and be on a platform and be visible, knowing that when I would get home, I would have to still deal with all the mistakes and all the, the turmoil that I was going through. I remember finally, finally mustering up the courage to be able to just tell the people I loved, the people I thought would be there for me, saying, hey, this is what's going on in my life. And almost immediately feeling rejection, feeling like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. This is scary. Uh, let me let me send you here, or you need to go fix this, or you need to go talk to such and such. Well, I had already been doing that myself. And so I just said, you know what? I don't, thanks, I'll just, I'll keep it to myself. And for years, I just carried the, the shame that came as a result of not being able to go to someone and say, here's, here's who I am. When I didn't get love or affirmation in response to vulnerability, it said that you as who you are is not acceptable. So you have to do something to earn the right to be accepted. So clearly what you're saying, Darrell, who you are, the struggles that you face, whether you believe them to be right or wrong, whatever, it's not enough. Those of us who can relate to Darrell's testimony, I want to encourage you to know that you can have hope in Jesus. I really want you to hear me because, you know, shame is a real thing. In fact, back in the church that I had the privilege of pastoring before, uh, coming here to this wonderful congregation, I used to have a congregant that every Sunday she would see me and she'd say, Pastor, the struggle is real. So can we get real about the struggle? And I just want us on this Sunday to get real about the struggle. You, you may not get uh, excited over this message because this message pulls the curtain back to look behind the stage. This message goes deeper beneath the surface of a Sunday morning to the stain of sin that time can lead us into shame. 
Because all of us are subject to be there. Shame, that, that, that inner disappointment that causes us to question our own identity. See, we, we have guilt because the Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And just in case you're the exception to the rule, let me check for a moment. Has anyone sinned in here? I'm just looking. I'm just looking. If you did not raise your hand, you just sinned. So as I said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But sin pronounces our guilt. And if our guilt is not handled in a spiritually healthy way, we could find ourselves shackled to shame. That's really what we're going to deal with on, on this morning. Because I submit to each of you that God does not desire us to live in shame. It is not God's plan. It is not God's desire for you to live in regret or to live under the shackle or in the shackles of guilt and shame. In fact, the truth is, God wants you to be set free. No matter where you're from, no matter what you've endured, no matter what you've done, I really want you to hear me with the help of the Holy Spirit because today, this Sunday, somebody's going to be set free. And, and, and I'm praying, I'm really praying even as I speak to you that, that you don't disconnect, that you don't turn a silent ear to it because the truth is in the quiet times of your living, you too may be struggling in that place of shame. You know you're there when, when you don't want it exposed. You know you're there when... You feel like everybody else knows, but you hope they don't. That people can be looking in one direction and, and you are so inundated with shame that you think they're looking at you. Somebody must have told them. Somebody must have emailed the pastor so he knows what we're going through. He knows the argument we had on the way here that was shameful to talk about. Knowing God created the world, when God created the cosmos, when God created time and seasons and, and all of creation in the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, when God created all there is to be created and he surveyed creation, which included humanity, Michael, he gave the descriptor that it was very good. That's Genesis chapter 1. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to that book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. As together, we'll be looking in chapter 2 and chapter 3, but as we, we begin, I want you to understand that when God planned, when God called into being the earth and heaven itself, God created it good, which means God intended for the life that we live to be good, to be filled with, with goodness. 
that the very life lived out by humanity was to be a life that was filled with blessings. And so if you are astute, a Bible reader, you'll know in chapter 1 and, and in chapter 2 that, that God creates. And in chapter 2, we zero in on how he created his signature on the canvas of creation, man and woman, male and female, Adam and Eve, the progenitors of humanity. God created us to exist in his presence. Just as we're in his presence now. And before sin, it was all good. Oh, you're not with me just yet here. Let me holler at my young people. Um, uh, before sin, Adam and Eve were living their best life. I'm not talking about the life you think you're living now. No, they were living their best life. They, they, they didn't have to worry. They didn't have to be all concerned. God had provided all they needed. God's presence was with them. God was with them and assured them that God had given them a, a protective space called the Garden of Eden, and he placed them there. He placed them there in the midst of blessings to be a blessing, and they had it good. No, no news channel to tell them of all the wickedness in the world. No, Trey, they, 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 they had no fear. There was no worry. I know it's hard for us to conceptualize this, but I, I really want you to get it. Before sin, there was no regret. There was no remorse. They were free. In fact, the last verse of the second chapter describes it this way. It says, and the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Ah, they were unashamed. They weren't living under the weight of condemnation. No, they were living free in God's liberty because they were unashamed. I submit to you that this is where God wants us to live. He wants us to live lives free from condemnation. He wants us, each of us, to understand what it means to live in liberty, to live without shame. Let me, let me teach you for a moment because here they are in chapter 2 and they're unashamed. But then there's chapter 3. Chapter 2, everything was good. They were living in the favor of God. But depending on the Bible you have, chapter 3 begins with a title, There Was a Fall of Man. You may know that story. And sin pushed them to the state of shame. Chapter 3 opens up this way. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, the serpent did, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. 
For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eye, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Uh, let's pause there for a moment. They sinned against the statute of God. God had given a command. God had told them that you're free to eat of all the blessings of the garden except one. And in this moment in the text, they chose to go against God's divine directive. They sinned against God. They sinned against God's command. They sinned because they fell to temptation. And if you look closely at the temptation, the temptation was to try to cause them to believe that what God had already done for them and who they are was not enough. Come here, I'm just trying to sit down for you, sit down for you for a moment here. Uh, they, 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 Satan tempted them to say that, yeah, you have this, but you need more. And because they were not um, complete, because they felt like they were incomplete and they were missing something and missing out on something, they gave in to temptation. Sin is the root cause. Sin is the cause of shame. Sin leads us to experience shame. In fact, I'm going to show it to you this way um, in our paradigm of guilt. It begins with sin, and then sin leads to guilt. Now, guilt is the awareness of wrongdoing. It's the awareness that, that, that I'm out of the will of God. It, it doesn't have to be taught because the Bible tells us that God placed eternity in man's heart, that we, we know when we're wrong. You look like you don't believe me. Let me check for a moment. Uh, uh, anybody have young kids? Young kids. Young kids at home. Young kids. Have you ever seen them where, where you told them to not do something, and then, and then they, they look at you, and then their hands go to do what they were told not to do? Uh, you didn't have to teach them that. You, it, it was in their heart. And then they look with that sense of guilt because they knew they were wrong. All of us have experienced this if you want to admit it or not. So, so you have sin, and sin leads to guilt. And that, that brings us to a place of, of choice where we, we have to choose then how we're going to live. At this point, all of us have been there. All of us live in this place. But Kevin, we have to choose in this moment. Will I choose to live under the Holy Spirit's guidance or will I choose to follow the lead of Satan? See, under the Holy Spirit's guidance, God brings us from a place of, of, of guilt to conviction where, where he understands and we understand that we're wrong and we, our behavior was wrong. Conviction, what I did was wrong. Eating of the fruit was wrong. Lying was wrong. Hating was wrong. What I put on social media yesterday was, I'm not talking about my social media, I'm talking about yours. 
what's wrong, and, 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 and the Holy Spirit tells you that it's not right and you have a choice. But what Satan does, instead of convicting the behavior, Satan, on the other hand, brings condemnation. And what he says is not that you did wrong, but he wants to believe that you are wrong. It's not that you broke the standard of God. He wants you to believe that you're broken. It's not that you messed up or you made a mistake. Satan wants you to believe you are the mistake. That, that's when we move from, and then the Holy Spirit, from conviction to repentance because conviction is our behavior. Uh, I've done wrong. I'm following God. So I'm going to turn to him and repentance, which leads to salvation. But if we follow the schemes of Satan, the evil one, who wants us to believe that we're the evil one, then we move from condemnation to regret. And that's where shame lives. You know how it happens. Because when we're, we're shamed, we, we go into the hiding place. And when we're in hiding, we can never be free because the way to freedom is to walk in the light of God's goodness and allow his light to illuminate and shine so that you can move from repentance to freedom. Oh, but, and I pray that God will set us free today. I, that, that's my prayer for each of us, that God will set us free today. But I know where many of us are living because the, the, the problem with these kinds of messages, Pinky, is that, that oftentimes God, God preaches the message to me before I could ever preach it to you, and, and the struggle is, is that what happens if they, if they know? If they know that I have problems too, if they know that, that I, I nurse pain, will they still receive me or will they reject me? And so we, we stay in regret and we, we hide in regret because what Satan wants to do is to keep us in bondage. And on this Sunday morning, I'm going to offer you a choice. The same choice that Adam and Eve have in the text. A choice of whether or not we're going to try to fix it ourselves. Or whether or not we're going to trust God. Come on here. Come with me. Come with me back in the garden. Because in the garden, you saw them there. They, they, they had taken of the fruit. They, they knew they were wrong. You know you're wrong when you do what God says not to do. It doesn't matter how you justify it. It doesn't matter how you try to fix it. It doesn't matter uh, who did what to you. They did it to me first, so I had to. You don't understand the hood I'm from. You do it to me, I do it back to you. I'm going to be real today. It might be the last time, but I'm going to be real. We're going to keep it real today. You slap me, then I, I slap you, call my cousin. She slapped you, call my sister. I'm, I, I'm, just, just, I'm just trying to tell you how I roll. All right here. God deliver me. Okay. And so they're in the garden. They know they've sinned. But, but, but I want you to, to see this. Because though they know that they have sinned, they are in a condition of shame. How do we know they're in a condition of shame? Because after they've sinned, they hear, no, no before they hear God, they try to cover the sin. 
Uh, you're not with me just yet here. Uh, the Bible says that they, they began to fashion for themselves fig leaves. I know you're looking at it and you're like, they took fig leaves and tried to make uh, coverings of fig leaves. Have you ever seen a fig leaf, felt a fig leaf, how uncomfortable a fig leaf is? Anybody ever felt how itchy a fig leaf is? And yet they tried to make themselves comfortable in their uncomfortableness because they were trying to hide the hurt, trying to hide the hurt of the decision and the pain that they had experienced. They were trying to do it themselves. Come here, saints of God. Let me just go and tell you the truth here. You know, you know like I know that anytime we try to fix it ourselves, it really don't work. Anytime we try to fix it ourselves, you, you, you stitch one fig leaf, and then that fig leaf breaks, so you got to get another fig leaf, and you stitch that fig leaf, and, and that fig leaf don't work, and so you try to get another fig leaf, and, and you tell one story to this person, and one story to that person, and you forget the first story you told to the last person, and you always make an excuse because they, they can't see my hurt. I can't let them see the sin in my home that caused the brokenness of our family. They, they can't see the hurt. If I let them see the pain that sin has brought upon me, then they too may not love me. I can't let them see the hurt, so I try to, to cover it up. Cover up that I'm not perfect. Cover up that I still have a problem. Don't look at me like that. You know the cover up. Cover up when you're sitting at the family table and yet that one child who didn't ask to be here came here before you got married and next thing you know you're trying to figure out how he fits in the family dynamic. Cover up. Cover up. You know, um, I, I, you, you, every time you see a child, you think about the child that you, you gave away or that you, that you, 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 you committed adult, you, you committed a, a abortion on you. Cover up. Cover up. The stuff that I did when I was younger that God forbid if anybody found out. They wouldn't even sit on the row with me. But then again, if I find all the stuff they're trying to cover up, they, they try to fix it. And, and I, I want to speak to somebody here who you've been, you've been trying to fix it. You've been trying to hide it. So they, they, they not only cover up with fig leaves, but the Bible says then they, they hear that God is in the garden. They hear him in the garden and they try to hide from his very presence. This is how you know you're shackled in shame. It's when salvation comes to you. And instead of running to salvation, you run into seclusion. Because nobody can understand where I am. It's kind of like Darrell's story. Like, like, like no, no, nobody can accept me. Let me go ahead and shatter uh, the, the falsehood of believing that God will not accept you. Let me help you understand something. There is nothing about you that God doesn't know about you, and God says that he desires you, and he will accept you. Don't get this thing twisted. God does not accept everything about you, but God accepts you. Uh, because he knows that there are some things you can't fix on your own. You, you tried to stop cussing, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you tried to stop lying. You, you tried to fix it on your own, but that, that's just only a fig leaf. And now, if people really knew, 
probably wouldn't accept you, huh? Ah, but if you want to be uh, set free to live the life of liberty that God is calling us to live, you, you got to choose guilt over the gospel. I hope you write that down. You, you got to choose guilt. You got to choose the gospel over guilt, God forbid. Uh, you got to choose the gospel over guilt. You got to choose the gospel over guilt. It's right there in the text, verse 9. I hope you saw it because here they are. They're hiding in the garden. God is coming out in the cool of the day. I hope you don't miss it here. It says, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Did you see the good news? Okay, let me, let me back up, press, uh, rewind and press play. Dina, they're in sin. God knows they're in sin. They succumb to the temptation of the, the serpent, and now they're in hiding, and God still comes. They're messed up. They're infected with sin. They're now stuck in shame, but the Lord God. Y'all don't, 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 don't see it here, huh? Um, um, no matter where you are, there's always a but, the Lord God. No matter what's happening in life, I, I got to go through a divorce, I got to handle an addiction, I got a child that's wayward, uh, but the Lord God. Uh, uh, everybody won't accept what's happening in my life, uh, but the Lord God, and listen, if you are shackled to shame on this morning, I got the good news. Here's the gospel right here. But the Lord God, the Lord God still wants him. The Lord God still wants you. The Lord God calls to them. Why? Because he still wants them. He still desires them for them to know him. And so he calls to them, where are you? And in that moment, they step out of hiding. They step out of concealment, and they walk out into confession. And that's where I want us to hang for a moment. He called them out of hiding in their shame. Because shame is a result of sin. It is sin committed by you can bring you to shame. Sin committed to you can bring you to shame. The sinfulness of somebody connected to you can cause you to live in shame. Are you there? Well, you don't want anyone else to know what's going on? I, I struggled, Craig. I struggled here because I, I know this. I, I see Adam. Adam uh, said, said he committed sin. Right? Uh, so he has shame. But then he, when he talked to God about that sin, remember, he, he blamed the woman. Uh, you got to read the text here. He said, the woman you gave me. So now, now the woman sinned against me because she gave it to me. He's in shame and he's connected to the woman. So he feels he's in shame. I'm sure she feels the same way. But have you been there? Let me tell you a little bit about about my shame. You know, growing up, I was kidnapped several times and made to witness abuse and a survivor of abuse and know what it's like to live in a household that's infected with drug addiction and, and wondered, does everybody else know? Does everybody Else, can they, can they see? Will they judge me by what's happening to me? 
Then shame turns to anger toward those who sinned against me. I can't love nobody. I can't trust anyone. I can't believe that God has a purpose for me. But then God spoke to me. Come here, let me help you understand something. It's right there in 1 John, the third chapter and the 19th verse. He says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassured, reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Look at what God told me. God says, I still see you. I still want you. I still can use you, but I need you to trust me. Come here. Who am I speaking to right now? You've been shackled to shame, and God is calling you out on this Sunday to let you know, just like he called out to Adam and Eve, he's calling out to you and he's saying, where are you? Come out of hiding because the light of God's love can heal you. So let me hurry on here because there, there's, uh, there, there's some ways you can develop a resilient life and live unashamed. Can I tell it to you? First thing you have to learn to do is talk to yourself like you talk to someone you love. Because when we talk to ourselves negatively, it's what pushes us into hiding. Nobody's going to accept me. Nobody's going to love me. Nobody's going to receive me. Start talking to yourself like you talk to someone you love. Like the psalmist does when he speaks to himself and he asks himself, Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Talk to yourself. And then repent. Come out from hiding and trust God. In fact, if you can stand all over the building, I, I want to challenge you on this Sunday morning because God is calling you to come out from hiding and trust him. Understand that God's love for you is greater than anyone's condemnation of you. Speak to God because God is able to help you. Be willing to tell your story because in telling your story, it might not only release you from shame, but help somebody else be released from shame because God doesn't want you to carry the shame. God doesn't intend for you to carry the guilt. God is seeking to save those who are lost. And so if you're hurting, you're in the right place. If you're in trouble, you're in the right place. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Which means you can loose the shackles. You can loose the shame. You can walk out and say, yes, that did happen to me, but the Lord. Yes, I was lost, but the Lord. Yes, I was blind, but the Lord rescued me. He wants to do that in your life. He wants to do that in your life today. But you got to be willing to come out of hiding. It's not your fault what you've been through. Ah, but God can redeem you.
God still has a purpose and a plan for you. I want you to hear the rest of the real story, and then I want to challenge you in just a moment to meet me right here, down these aisles, that we can together release the shackles of shame and celebrate the goodness of God. But I want you to hear the real story. And so I just kept going, I kept going, I kept going until I just took, it was a moment where I just was looking back over all the years of just going through that cycle. I literally had tangible evidence. I had journals, I had emails, I had so many things that I was just looking over. And I just was saying, God, I can't believe I was doing all of those things. I can't believe how desperate I was. I was. I was completely miserable. I mean, I, I had never struggled with suicidal things, but I, I could imagine that maybe that night I was probably like, if this doesn't change, then what's the use? It, it, it just, it was seeming just, there was no way out. And I, I was tired. I just remember feeling so tired. <sighs> and just laying, just laying on my bed, just saying, God, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of doing, of just going and going and going and just coming out empty, coming out like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And didn't know how it was gonna turn out. I just said, I'm done. And I felt like I cried myself to sleep. And knowing what I know now, and to be able to tell someone who's in that position, you're in the best place for a miracle. I feel like when you get to the end of yourself, when you get to that place, and God knows when, you and God know when, when you're really there, it's the moment where he's like, I've been waiting for this moment this entire time, and that's when he just does the miraculous. He, he does it. He, he transforms and changes desires. He, he, he gives you a new name. He gives you a new identity. And all you had to do was just get to the end. And he somehow God orchestrates our lives to get to that point. And if we'll allow it, if we will, if we will allow ourselves to be tired, if we will allow ourselves to be done enough so that he can come in and do what he loves to do, which is make broken things and, and make something, take broken things and make something new out of it. I mean, you, when you get to the end, the end is now the new beginning. I feel like he's given me, I hate to be literal, but he's just given me a song. He's given me a new song, a new, an, an ability to just, um, to get, to be so lost in, in him, to be so free because I've always just wanted freedom. I've seen him take my freedom song and spark freedom in others and, and, and be able to say, man, if, if God can do that for him, he can do it for me. I am not the hopeless case that I thought I was. That's God's message to you. He's calling you to come out of hiding. He's calling you to trust Him. 
And I don't want you to pass up this opportunity. I want to invite you. I want to pray with you. If you're ready to come out, if you sense the Spirit of God calling you now to say, I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to trust God with this. I'm going to walk into the light of His salvation. I want to pray with you. I invite you to come wherever you are, whatever you're going through. Come, let us pray with you. Let me pray that you might be able to experience the love of God again that you might be able to experience the renewing power of God because God loves you and he wants you to know that love. God accepts you and he wants you to accept his love for you. All you have to do is come. Come and say yes. Come hear him calling you. Come hear him saying, I know the hurt and I can heal it. I know the rejection and I can fix it. Come, come, and let us give it to him. The altar is available. Come, come on, come on. Let's not leave here the same way. You don't have to be broken. You don't have to be hurt. You don't have to continue to carry that weight of shame and guilt. Whom the Son has set free. He wants to set you free. God wants you to be free today. The Spirit of God is speaking to your heart today. Come and experience his goodness. Come and experience the joy of knowing him because through Christ, he can cover your sins. He can wash you clean. The Bible says when you confess your sins, when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter how heavy it is, you can lay it down right here at the altar. It doesn't matter what all you've gone through, God. I can, I'm standing as a testimony. God can heal you. God, he's able. He's able to do it. Will you come out and trust him? Trust him to make sense out of your life. Trust him with the plan that he has for your life and give your life today to him. Come on. So Father, we are before you. We bow before you. We're in your presence and we, we hear you calling us out of the state of shame into the place of salvation. Knowing that it is you who is able to set us free and like you called out to Adam and Eve to, to come out of hiding. We, we hear you calling us now because you didn't mean for us to live in shame but for us to live in victory and we know that it's in you that we can be overcomers. In you, Father, we have the freedom and redemption that comes through your precious blood. In you, we have acceptance. In you, we have renewal and, and each and every day that you can help us turn our attention to you. And we might feel the love, the peace, the joy of knowing that you are our good God. But there's no one like you. You're the God who comes in the midst of our sadness and you call us out. May we, may that broken heart be trusted to you that you can put the pieces back together. May that troubled mind be trusted to you. May that marriage that's going through be, be entrusted to you. That they might be able to see that you're the God who makes all things new. And we will praise you and we will glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you praise God in this place?
Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.